Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Today's Thursday, August 18th, 2022. And you're already seeing my usual co-host on Thursdays, Dwayne Generalissimo Patterson of the Hugh Hewitt Show, Master of the Universe, H-U-G-H-N-I-B-E-R-S-E.com. The troll-free web surfing experience for Hugh Hewitt fans and listeners where um, he and I just did this last night. So <laughs> you remember in both places, this is not going to be a repeat though, Dwayne. We've got new stuff to talk about this morning already. Uh, absolutely right. Great to be back. Um, there's all sorts of fun stuff that we could be talking about. Well, I mean, the first thing is something you just pointed out to me. So I haven't even had much of a chance to, to look at this, but apparently CNN is reporting this morning based on rules that were posted on Monday that Ron DeSantis is going to go after the ESG movement and go after corporate wokery in Florida, at least in, in, in terms of their in pension, pension funds fund, in yes, pension fund investments. Yeah, he's he's basically saying, hey, Wall Street, hey, uh, Larry Fink over at BlackRock, um, we're not going to do this here. Um, it, it, we're going we're going on on we're putting on the blinders here when we're we're doing pension investments. Uh, we're doing rate of return. Period. We're not we're not doing wokery here. Um, you know, Ron DeSantis, you know, you you look at the moves he's making, and you look at the look at the stances that 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 he is uh, staking out. He is staking out absolute conservative uh, grounds, and he's just not given an inch. No, he's not. And I think this I think this is. Uh, yet another reminder of what I mean when I say that Ron DeSantis really has to be governor when he runs for president. There's no way he can't. There's no way he does this from 2027. He has to do it in 2023. And which, the reason why is because he's still impacting the news as governor, which he won't be once he's once he's out of there. Absolutely right. He is. Um, that that is that is why it is go time. Um, this time around, whether Trump's in or not, I think uh, I think DeSantis has to go because he's never going to have another opportunity like he has right now. No, no, and and I mean, and, I, beyond and, that. What, I, and what I mean right now, I mean after he wins re-election and we're in this this presidential cycle of twenty four, he's he's got to he's got to go now. Yeah. Now this is this is populist in a number of directions. One is it it targets wokery, right? The other is, though, that um, uh, it's it's also sort of a shot across the bow of corporatists, right? Um, and I, I don't mean just in terms of woke. I mean in terms of uh, corporate leaders who think that they can direct American policy from the boardroom. Um, now, I would say that Republicans have had a <laughs> long flirtation with corporatism. Democrats kind of won that battle, I think, over the last, especially in the uh, Obama administration when they benefited so much from it. And uh, and I think that's part of the reason why you're seeing uh, populism rising in the Republican Party and why you have the MAGA split that took place, you know, six years ago. But also, you know, why you see governors like Ron DeSantis who see a political benefit from going after Wall Street. Well, I mean, you, you don't do you don't do this unless you think voters are going to reward you for it. Well, and it's well, and it's not just Wall Street. I mean, I think what look at what look at the moves that DeSantis has made. He is siding with parents uh, when it comes to wokery. He is uh, taking the side of female athletes when it comes to you know whether we should have you know boys swimming in the pools and in the locker rooms and all that stuff. 
he's very much, you know, he, he's very much trying to keep the woke stuff out of, um, out of virtually every aspect of, of Florida life, whether it's education, whether it's, um, you know, finance now, whether it's pension funds. I mean, he is, he is actually, he, he is staking out the ground uh, for a 24 presidential run eventually that uh, I, I think, I think there was a clip. I think there was a clip I had from a couple of days ago where he closed out a speech saying, look, Florida is where woke goes to die. Um, he, th- this is, this is a, this is a, th- you know, he, he, he's going to, he's going to have an economic case to make. He's going to have a security uh, aspect to make as far as what he's talked about with the Southern border and sending Florida law enforcement to help out Greg Abbott down uh, at the Southern border and, and assist um, on a state to state basis. But when you look at what DeSantis is doing on the on the social issue stuff too, he has taken out the anti woke uh, ground, and is uh, is gambling that uh, a majority of the country is going to be with him on that. And I think I think that's a safe bet because I think the blowback to woke is is uh, is is just beginning to, to to fully blossom now. Yeah, yeah, and again, I think that this is obviously it's very much a responsive message to the woke issue but i just i just think it's a really interesting cultural moment Dwayne, when you know it used to be that we we would even joke around about you know the left it's the corporations man it's the corporations um (laughs) and you know the right actually has i think even more issues uh, on on that score now than than the left does and i think it's because corporations have just gotten so large and they their their impacts are so profound in American lives that Americans are kind of sick and tired of it. And this gets to what Donald Trump tapped into in 2016 and in 2020. And I think it's also interesting that that we're getting this from Ron DeSantis in 2022. Uh, absolutely. Um, and you know what's what's Donald Trump? You know, if Donald Trump does run against uh you know he does get in here and he uh how is he going to outstake that ground from from DeSantis um you know he can point to the fact that he you know he appointed supreme three supreme court justices I mean there's there are things from his from his term that he can point to but you're right it's if it's a what have you done for me lately thing this I is... mean, DeSantis, DeSantis has a, he is establishing a long track record of not just talking uh, the talking points that people want to hear, but actually, but actually yeah. doing stuff. Well, and again, I mean, I think you can point to Trump's tenure and say he did stuff there too, but clearly DeSantis is uh, fighting this on multiple fronts. I mean, you and I were laughing last night about a story, about the follow-up on a story about him suspending the... Um, uh, the state attorney, I was trying to think of the right term, the state attorney for the 13th Judicial District for publicly signing a pledge not to enforce laws that the state legislature had passed and DeSantis had signed regarding abortion restrictions and um, and sex change operations for minors. And so DeSantis suspended him. And yesterday... Which he, which he has every state constitutional right within the Florida state constitution to do. Right. Right. And precedent, which we'll get to in a second. Andrew Warren decided to sue 
Ron DeSantis to get his job back, claiming it was a blatant abuse of power and authoritarianism and interference with his First Amendment rights, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which all would sound really good except for Ayala v. Scott, <laughs> which was decided five years ago on almost precisely the same grounds. A, uh, a state attorney making a public declaration not to enforce a statute. Now, not even, in this case, it wasn't even a statute. Not to ask for the death penalty in death penalty cases as a matter of policy. Rick Scott transferred all death penalty cases, potential death penalty cases, to a different district. Um, Aramis Ayala sued, and the state Supreme Court 5-2 said, uh, no, he's got the authority to do it. And furthermore... Um, you don't really have the authority to decide that you're not that you're broadly not going to uh, you know, follow the law. And even the dissent in Ayala v. Smith 2017, you can look it up. I have it at hot air, said that, um, look, it, they really should give her a pass because there are rational reasons not to pursue death penalty cases, not necessarily ideological which I actually agree with. I think that there I mean, I, I think that sometimes it can be more trouble than it's worth. Um, except for a, the, the voters of the state of Florida won it, and and B, that's not really her decision to make in terms of policy. But also, the dissenters said, "Well, look, it's not like she's saying she's saying that she wouldn't enforce a statute." <laughs> so, right. Andrew Warren's got some problems there. I mean, this lawsuit is is practically a in kind contribution to the Santos twenty twenty four because I mean, DeSantis what, is just going to roll all over this guy. Well, of course he is, and and the other thing too is it shows how inept this guy is. To I mean, his job is to file suits, right? I mean that, that that's that's his job is to prosecute and, and, and file suits against people, right? That's yep. that's what he's allegedly supposed to do. You would think he would have some expertise in knowing what the hell he's doing. You and think. <laughs> and, and apparently, he doesn't have the first foggiest idea what he's doing. No, he doesn't. And I, I'd almost say that this that this lawsuit against uh, DeSantis is a, a pretty good argument for removing him under the incompetence standard as well. <laughs> I mean, uh, I can I I've I've got that clip. You and I were talking about that clip from the from the press conference uh, yesterday, where a reporter pushed back at. Uh, at Andrew and uh, his his answer was humana 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 humana. Oh, that's um, okay. That's all right. We'll, we'll skip it today because we got we got other stuff to talk about. But I, you know, just talking about DeSantis, this thing with the with the ESG and you know woke corporatism. I think is name, really... name me name me another uh, governor in the country that's that's gotten out in front on that for uh, ahead of DeSantis. On that particular point, nobody has nobody gotten out of, right? nobody's gotten out ahead now. Well. Do you think Greg Abbott's going to eventually get in on that? Do you think Doug Ducey's going to eventually get well, in on I, that? You know, I think Abbott and Ducey are working on the border crisis, which is something DeSantis can't really do because it's not really a border state. I mean, he talks about no, immigration. No, but, but, what, but what he did do was he set up a, a bunch of law enforcement, sheriffs, deputies, and whatever from all over the state, uh, state to state aid. Yep. Oh, absolutely. I'm not saying he hasn't done anything about it or that he hasn't weighed in on it. But, I mean, Abbott's the guy who's sending, you know, the excess... Um, the excess migrants out to New York City and Washington, D.C., too. Ducey's doing the same thing now. So, I mean, each of these guys have different claims to to fame, if you will. And then Youngkin's doing things with school boards. You know, he um, he forced uh, he forced out all those um, uh, all those uh, school board members when he got into office. So each of these guys have claims to 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 be doing that. The, the, and this is the key. 
they actually have track records on this that are operating within, you know, within a couple of years of this primary choice that voters have to make. Right. And and the issue, I think, for Donald Trump in the face of this is that he hasn't done much on this in a while. <laughs> and and you've got all this other baggage. And I think what Ron DeSantis is, is muscularly uh, making a case for is that you don't need Trump to get this stuff done. You know, yeah. thank Trump for the work that he did do. Thank Trump for the Supreme Court we've got. But we've got other people who can pick up, who can take the baton and carry the, and carry it further. Especially since, again, Trump's only limited to one term in office now. If he even if he manages to win, which I think is a, right. a long shot. So, so, it, and this is something that I talked about last night in the after show, which is um, the case against Trump is not even the the drama and just the emotional roller coaster you've got to you know you, you you've got to embark upon when you back a, a Trump presidency. The reason the reason that you would look the other way for Trump is because if you look at what the FBI did, and you know the FBI's got to be gutted at the top, you know the Pentagon is full of woke generals and and all sorts of career staffers that are that are hostile to conservatives um, and, and a conservative agenda, and they need to be cleared out. You know the State Department's got to be cleaned out. Now, you know the CDC and the HHS has to be cleaned out. They're you know the schedule that the schedule what the schedule f employees schedule, schedule f the schedule f thing i think was a, a very good idea for a president who's oriented to detail and to granular policy implementation you need to hire people who can hire people who can hire people and you have right. to keep you have to keep close uh, a close eye on that process and but the next the next republican president has to yeah, they've got to clear cut the federal government. Uh, yep. They have got to go through agencies and start blowing people out. And then you've got to replace them. And the problem with Donald Trump is, can he fire people? Yeah, he can. Uh, he has definitely built a reputation for firing people he doesn't like. I understand that. Can he fire people? But, yeah, but I mean, can he hire people? And that was part of the problem in the first part couple of his, of years. That's part of his problem is, can he get the right people to work for him initially? Now, eventually he got Mike Pompeo in the right spot. Eventually he got Robert O'Brien in the right spot. You know, he, he, did, he did do some good things with hires, but... I mean, honest to goodness, he couldn't get anybody at, at defense um, to save his life. Well, that, that was that was that was worth anything. Well, yeah. And look, I mean, I, th I thought James Mattis was actually a pretty good guy at defense until until they got crosswise on Syria. But and, uh, and, and it, it, it became a hostile environment. I mean, how many national security advisors did he go through? Uh, well, a couple way, <laughs> way too many, right? way too many. Wait, well, I wasn't even worried about that because. There's been churn in administrations before that. What I was concerned about was the Name lack the of attention. Wait, 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 the, the lack of attention to sub cabinet posts because that's where you drain the swamp. You right. have to put the right people in charge to start draining the swamp, and that administration was very poor at that. They, I mean, you can just look at the. You know, if you want to talk about the State Department, you can look at all the undersecretary positions and all the ambassadorial positions that were left open for you know, months on end. And some of that was the Senate backing things up a bit, but a lot of it was just that they weren't nominating people for those positions. And that's a problem. You need somebody who's got more focus. And, and, and the reason why this is a problem is it's not even really an issue of 
you know, laziness. Because I've heard people say, well, he's lazy. Well, of course he's not lazy. The guy built a, um, a real estate empire. You don't, you don't get there for being lazy. What he is, though, is he's used to a family-owned organization where everything's from the top down. And you don't need to have a bunch of people if you're the type of guy who wants to make all the decisions yourself. That's Donald Trump. Um, what you need to do that type of work is somebody from the outside, not inside the beltway, who's used to running a large, you know, multipolar, um, uh, conglomerated organization who can navigate those things and who understands how to, how to drill down in them. And that's the reason right. why I think a governor is a good choice, especially governor, in this next a, cycle. A governor is a good choice. And you've got to ask yourself, that the prospect of what's ahead to think that somebody can blow everybody out that needs to be blown out and hire somebody and get them confirmed in one four-year term because that's all you're going to get yep yeah that's 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 a that's not a that's not a, a you know a, a long shot for success to think that that's going to happen whereas yep. if somebody comes in whether it's a doug Ducey or a glenn youngkin or DeSantis or anybody, yeah. Name your governor. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not homing for for DeSantis here. I'm just saying, if you put a governor in that has not already been in in office at, uh, at this point, you've got the prospect at least of a you know possibly a two term proposition. And if over the course of eight years that becomes something that this administration does, which is clean out the swamp that needs to be cleaned out, you can make the case. You know. Look what I've done in this state. I've already done that, you know, the, right. the swamp cleaning here. But now here's what I'm going to do here. And if you show that you do that in, in the first year or two, now you've got the case to make. Just let me keep rolling here. Right. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. This is, I mean, this is about, 20, this is about 2024. It really is. And everybody right. knows and, this. And that's the case against Trump is. He may, you may agree with the policy decisions, but can he really do anything consequential in a four-year period when the day he's inaugurated again, he's a lame duck? He's basically a lame duck. All right, let's talk about a new, a, another topic here. This one also just came up this morning. Libs of TikTok, which is, you know, a very provocative social media account, uh, has been the target of doxing attacks by the Washington Post, Taylor Lawrence, and, um, and has been obviously... Uh, the subject of much debate and uh, a, a, thorn, a thorn in the side of the progressive left, a, a very much a thorn in the side of the progressive left uh, this morning or late last night, I should say um, she announced on Twitter that she had been permanently banned from Facebook. Apparently, apparently over um, claims of misinformation about um, uh, sex change operations by Boston Children's Hospital, where they have a pediatric and adolescent gender affirming service, or, or gen, uh, they something have conducted. Yeah, they have conducted sixty-five double mastectomies on minors from the period of twenty seventeen to twenty twenty. Now they're Boston claiming children. B BCH is claiming that they don't do genital surgeries on under on, on anybody under eighteen, which I find to be a very specific response right Gen uh, 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 genitalia surgeries i guess it's um i, I can't remember exactly what the phrase is i'll look that's, it up in just a minute that, but that's well, genital genital surgeries genital surgeries they don't do genital surgeries now i don't know if you can i, I don't know if that is 
excluding mastectomies, and I haven't seen the data. I mean, honestly, I, I, I saw this story floating around about BCH as sort of part of this whole transgender um, maelstrom that's going on right now. But I mean, you take a look at this and, and if BCH is saying we don't do any genital surgeries on people under 18, that is a, that is a, I mean, that leaves a lot of things still open, like puberty blockers, per, perhaps uh, mastectomies, perhaps not mastectomies. I, I don't know I if they think, consider that those genitals. They probably don't because they're not. I think that response from Boston General is... Boston Children's. Is, Boston Children's. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Boston, Boston Children's. I think that response is is a very carefully worded parsing. Um, I think you're getting into, well, we don't do general, uh, genital surgery. Okay. That's not what the claim was. The claim was they they've done sixty five. No, no, there was there was a there was a claim about um, hysterectomies being done on underage girls. That okay. was part of what libs of TikTok. That's the specific claim that um, fact checkers went after, and BCH denied it. Say we don't do genital surgeries on anybody under eighteen. Now the mastectomies may be a different issue, and that's the reason why I noted that. Genital surgeries is a very oddly specific term when you're talking about that's pediatric talking, and, and, and adolescent. That's, that's talking about a certain region. That doesn't necessarily include multiple regions. Um, yeah, it, that's, it that's, may not include. That's a different thing. May not include breasts. I mean, and yeah. I mean, technically speaking, breasts aren't genitals. You know, they're, no. they're secondary, uh, uh, secondary sex characteristics, not primary sex characteristics. But, no, I mean, if, if you're kicked in the if you're kicked in the genitals, that doesn't mean that that uh, Chuck Norris did a roundhouse uh, to the to you know to your left boo. That's uh, that's that's a different region. I I suddenly am having flashbacks to middle school. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, Why? Well, welcome to junior high. Norris? What's that? Why? Because of Chuck Norris? No, because of kicks to genitals. That was how oh. I was greeted. That's how I was greeted in, in junior high school. <laughs> Well, okay. Well, you know, sorry. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying that you know, every time I see this in a movie, it's like, mm, let's not do this. <laughs> flashbacks, flashbacks, flashbacks. All right. Um, now, if it was, if it was false, if she's, if she's pushing out false information on libs of TikTok, I understand why fact checkers would fact check it, right? I understand why people would debate it i understand i would even understand if boston children's hospital decided to take some sort of legal action for you know false you know you know defamation false you know uh there are legal remedies civil legal remedies when people uh push out false information especially if it's knowingly false we all know this because we all operate in the first amendment sphere right what i have a concern about my broader concern on this is not necessarily whether BCH is parsing, why, for instance, you know, BCH even has a pediatric, um, uh, an adolescent gender multi-specialty service. I mean, pediatric, uh, adolescence um, okay. bad enough, but pediatric. Okay. okay. So, so I just, while we were talking, I did, I, I did a search on the Googles. Okay. Oh, don't do that. You're, you're talking okay. about facts. So I did a search on the Googles and I did a search for Boston children's um, genital reassignment. And then I did the Google searches and the Googles came back and the second link on there 
took me to a link to Boston Children's Hospital. It is www.childrenshospital.org. Uh, it's got the phone number of, um, you know, 617 phone number, which is the area code for Boston. Right. And it says phalloplasty. What is phalloplasty? Phalloplasty is a surgical creation of a penis. In this procedure, surgeons harvest one or more flaps of skin from inner tissue, blah, 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 uh, who is eligible for it. Um, surgery is never the first step, but if it is something that happens after you've already explored uh, social and medical transition options, people who choose to undergo usually do so after taking other steps, such as whatever, to qualify at to qualify for a phalloplasty at Boston Children's Hospital, um, you must meet certain criteria. Yeah, I'm looking at the same page right now. Um, now, you must meet certain criteria. And be 18. And you must be at least 18 years old. So, yeah. They do surgery on adults at Boston Children's Hospital. I mean, that's just the name of the hospital. They do surgery on adults there. So let's just say, let's just take it as, as um, let's stipulate that this is somehow misinformation that libs of TikTok was um, had put out on this Facebook post. Uh, it got picked up by a lot of people, right? I mean, I was part of the complaint that the Daily Beast had. Well, it got picked up by all the conservative websites, you know, you know, uh, Daily Caller and Gateway Pundit and all the rest of this stuff. Okay, fine. Um, first off, I'd like to know just how much information misinformation this is. And secondly, why, what Facebook did to, uh, you know, in, in sort of an escalating manner, uh, attempt to, to, to mitigate this, right? I mean, because there are other options than just banning somebody. And my concern about this, Dwayne, is not that I want misinformation out there. Of course I don't. I want people to, I want to be able to identify misinformation just like anybody else, but I can. I mean, I can look this stuff up. I can call Boston General or Boston Children's and say, hey, I'm Ed Morsey. I'm managing editor of hotair.com. This allegation was made. What's your response? I get the response, you know, and, and then I figure out what it is that should be believed. My issue on this is that you've got this sort of combination of social media platforms and mainstream media fact-checking uh, orgs, you know, PolitiFact is one of the big ones uh, that's involved in Facebook fact-checking. Uh, fact um, and it's cited as one of the, uh, at, at the Daily Beast as one of the ones that fact-checked this thing from Libs of TikTok. Right. That, to me, sets up this sort of, getting back to the corporations, man. It's all the corporations. I feel like I need a hemp t-shirt for this, for this uh, podcast today. Um, but that sets up this sort of closed system where mainstream media outlets can combine up with social media platforms to determine who can and who can't have access to public debate because social media is where a lot of this public debate takes place and i'd rather have people spewing misinformation than people being silenced who might be actually accurate and I mean, all you need to do is see what happened with the, I don't even make this point in the post, but all you need to do is remember what happened in the pandemic and how they silenced a bunch of people who turned out to be right about things like masking, about shutting down schools, um, to know that that's a bad outcome. And that type of outcome is going to produce a type of governance that is not going to be what we're used to in the United States of America. Yeah. 
No, that, that, that's exactly right. I was just uh, uh, scouting around, too, and it looks like uh, that that policy of they don't do surgeries uh, under 18, that apparently was a change in policy as of um, uh, fall of 2020 is apparently when they, they quit doing uh, – underage uh, genital surgeries and they they decided okay we're only going to do it to, to 18 and older uh, but apparently they did at one point they they did a change in policy at, at, in 2020 so now as far as the misinformation thing does that mean they never did it or does that you know or that they don't do it anymore correct yeah. so so now so now is that really that grievous of an offense well i mean again why can't we have that debate? Why can't she put put that out there and the rest of because us get the rest the, of the information? Because the Facebooks are apparently not in, in the in the business of, um, of of playing fair. They never have. I and, mean, Twitter does Twitter doesn't play fair. No, in fact, Twitter's looking at um, the libs of TikTok account too. So she might be completely, and she's already off of Instagram. So she might be completely booted off of social media by this time. By the time this this podcast actually goes up, she might be completely off of um, social media and effectively silenced by what? By social media companies and the mainstream media. And here's where I take a longer view. Right. Why did we, you know, why did we get into this business in the first place? Why did I get into blogging? Why did we get into into talk radio? But uh, it was to provide a counter to the media narratives that were being created by editors at large mainstream media news outlets that were that factually deficient. That were not necessarily true. Right. right. Yes. I mean, what was what was the seminal moment in in blogging? It was Dan Rather's, uh, you know, uh, fake news attack on George W. Bush's the the, the you know the the, the the raised th right you know that yeah. that was that was supposedly done on an IBM Selectric back in 1974 or whatever it was uh, right that, which, which that, the, that couldn't have been done that was actually a word doc right which they said later oh well you know. They retyped it from the original. That's the reason why. It's like, yeah, well, that wasn't what you reported at first, pal. And correct. And and, and, and the and people who were done. there. And you're done. Yeah. This is this was fake but accurate. Remember, we were talking about fake but accurate in 2004. Yep. Dan Rather's still out there trying to sell fake but accurate, right? Well, to this day, Dan to this day. Still he he still thinks he was right. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. And that's the reason why we got into the blogosphere was because. The blogosphere, uh, you know, the internet and the blogosphere, which was, you know, completely grassroots types of things back in the day, it was completely grassroots, um, later got professionalized because it was, you know, because there was a market for this. And so market developed around it, got more professional, um, as a result of which I've had a very nice career doing what I do. And I'm very happy about that. And thank God I work for a company that doesn't rely on... <laughs> Facebook or um, or or uh, Twitter or uh, you know outside so you know Google or outside social media platforms in you know in order to be published, um, but we did that so we could work around the the um, what's the uh, good word for it? the the lock that mainstream media had on getting information out to people, and this to me feels an awful lot like social media social media. Um, corporations 
are trying to reinstall the lock <laughs> that the internet broke on mainstream media's monopoly on uh, you know information dissemination. It, I mean, it's an antithetical yeah, to what the see, what the internet was supposed to be. It's entirely antithetical to it. And and you know what? I don't think it's going to work because um, if they if they try to put that genie back in the bottle, you know what's going to happen to libs of TikTok. Uh, she'll just actually start a blog again, and and, um, and and that blog will be will be highly successful. Selena Zito, uh, our mutual friend, was on Twitter for years, and and she did she did the social medias until the uh, you know the bulwark crowd um, really started coming out for her, and just yep. just was so vicious to her that she finally said, "Screw this! I don't need it." She has her own website. She posts her stuff at her own site. Um, she still writes her columns, and everybody reads Selena Zito. It, it hasn't it hasn't slowed her down a bit to be banned from uh, to be banned from social media or or to have taken herself off social media. If you've got something to say, um, the the avenues to be read are wide open. It doesn't mean you have to be on social media. Our our mutual friend James Lilacs. Yes, he tweets. Yes, he does whatever else. But who doesn't go to lilacs.com, you know, at least once, twice a week or, or more and reads the bleed, right? I right. mean, it's it, if you've got something to say and you're good at it, you're going to you're going to have a home and there is no barrier to entry to, to be read. Yep. Yep. I, and so that that potential is still out there. But let's not forget that Google bought up Blogger. <laughs> You know, Facebook absorbed a lot of the um, uh, a lot of the um, uh, impetus for blogging by providing at least um, you know a measure of advertising um, sharing. Right. right. Um, you know, I'm telling you, I think that we're 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 seeing we're seeing this sort of speech constriction that's going to return us back to the days where instead of ABC, NBC, CBS, and CNN, you're going to have Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, and uh, and Google. But but the conservatives and the Republicans are the fascists. At least that's what I was told. Yeah, that's what I've been told too. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right, Dwayne. Well, we're, we're just about at the end of this here. I, I know that there's probably tons of other things. There's I, I've got a post that's that's coming up this morning. It'll be up by the time this goes up uh, with the Fed minutes, which got released last night or this morning uh, from their July meeting, which basically says <laughs> inflation's going to last long and hard, pal. <laughs> And, 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 and there's and there's going to be another three quarter uh, point. Almost uh, certainly another three. Quarter almost point. certainly coming in, in what another two three weeks or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, I think I think three weeks. I think I yeah. think we're looking at three weeks now. So yeah, yeah, buckle up. This and and I mean, they don't even mention the um, Inflation Reduction Act. CNBC and the Financial Times don't even mention the Inflation Reduction Act. Why? Because it doesn't reduce inflation, so it's really irrelevant to this discussion. That's how bad uh, the Inflation Reduction Act is. Uh, buckle well, up. All it's, we can it's gonna be a all we ride. can hope for, all we can hope for, and and all we can work for is to make sure that the House and hopefully the Senate gets in GOP hands so that appropriations bills in the next two years gut the 
got the, the, the snot out of this yeah. thing so that there is no funding for the IRS agents. There is no funding for all the green subsidies. There is no, all, all that money they're going to spend just gets completely gutted when it actually comes down to appropriations bills and just dare uh, Joe Biden to, to, um, to uh, veto and, and shut the government down. Fine by me. I have no, if the government's going to be that out of control and big, uh, if, if the IRS is going to have 87,000 new agents, I'm all for shutting the government down. Fine by me. Well, there you go. What's coming up on tomorrow's Hugh Hewitt show, by the way, which is at 6 a.m. Eastern time tomorrow. Uh, we will uh, have Sunny Bunch on doing movies. Larry Arnold will be on as well, like normal. And then we will have a conversation with another of the, uh, great up-and-coming potential incoming freshman class of the uh, House of Representatives. Uh, Hugh just came back from Wyoming um, where Kevin McCarthy was holding his um, retreat for um, all of the targeted seats that they think they have got a real good shot of winning. There was like you know 60 people there, 70, 70 people there from all over the country that are Everything from doctors to Navy, uh, for, you know, Navy SEALs to all sorts of people that are running in, in all sorts of districts. One of them is uh, running in uh, North Carolina's 14th district, a guy named Pat Harrington. And uh, uh, Pat's going to come on as well. But over the next few weeks, he was going to showcase and highlight all of the all the marquee races that could be GOP house flips um, th this fall when when the election happens and we're going to do everything we can to make sure that that uh, that wave is sustained by um, highlighting some of the some of the great incoming class that, that is potentially out there well that starts tomorrow at 6 a.m eastern time 5 a.m in god's time zone 3 a.m on the left coast and if you remember the universe h-u-g-h-n-i-v-e-r-s-e.com you can watch the Hugh Hewitt show just like you could have watched it yesterday when I was guest hosting. Uh, by the way, I, I understand that Mike Gallagher kicked my ass on um, on fundraising uh, for um, uh, for uh, food for the poor. But uh... well, um, hey, look, if there's one thing that Mike kicked Gallagher's, my ass, if, if there's if there's one thing that Mike Gallagher does better than 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 almost anybody else on radio is basically selling things he's really good at that that's that's <laughs> mike's mike's a great guy i am glad i am i am i'm happy for any success that comes mike's way because mike is really just I, a sweetheart I of a guy mike, he, he's a sweetheart of a guy which and, is the reason why and, i don't mind it's the reason why i don't mind admitting that he kicked my ass yesterday <laughs> and, and 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 he will and he will sell snow to an eskimo <laughs> by the way if you get a chance Go to uh, HughHewitt.com. Click on the uh, Help Ukraine banner for send, for food for the poor. Yes. Because they, they are do, spending. Do that because because Mike Gallagher doesn't need a bit of help at all. No, no, no. He's, Go to HughHewitt.com to fine. do it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> help me kick Mike Gallagher's ass the next time. That's what I say. How's that for a sales pitch? I don't think How's that for work. a sales pitch? I don't well, think that's yeah. going to work, but you know. All right. Um, so do that instead of going to an AM radio dial um, and and – and um, haranguing a, a station manager about putting Hugh on the air. You can do that too 
But in this case, I think we're just going to tell you to go, go to HughHewitt.com, click on the send, uh, on the Help Ukraine banner and help help some um, people out, some more refugees in Ukraine. They can really use the help. Dwayne, Generalissimo Patterson. By the way, you're going to be on, you're going to be doing an after show tonight too. I should mention that. I am going to be doing an after show tonight. Uh, just uh, just basically me in the news. Uh, all the video clips um, that get developed today, somebody's got to make sense of them, and that's what I do. There you go. All right. Dwayne Generally Somo Patterson, thanks for being with us. We will talk to you again next week, sir. Sounds like a plan. Thanks, guys. All right. Stay tuned for one final message from the Ed Morrissey Show about how you can support the show and how you can help me kick Mike Gallagher's ass. No, I'm just kidding. Just stay tuned for the <laughs> stay tuned for a short message. Thank you for watching and listening to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Be sure to subscribe at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube to get alerted as soon as new episodes get published. You can support The Ed Morrissey Show and Hot Air's VIP reporting by becoming a VIP member, too. Visit hotairvip.com and use the promo code SAVEAMERICA, all one word, for 40% off your membership. Choose VIP Gold and gain membership to access to all of the town hall sites. Thanks again for watching and listening.